We are going to be continuing our love talk, which we uh, had last week. Are you guys ready for some love? You are. Wow. Okay. So uh, last week, I asked everybody what you think is needed the most in order to love the people around us. So I was saying how the day that I walked into yeshiva, it was a, a moment of reflection. And I sat there and I said to myself, why am I so angry with everybody? Why am I so angry with the world? Why is everyone bothering me? Why am I so upset with my mom, my dad, with my brothers, my sisters? I was just angry and I had this pain in my chest and I was, why am I so angry? So I realized, hey, something's wrong. I need to work on my love, both for myself and for the people around me. So we spoke last week about how we can learn to love the people around us. Do you remember anything that we said? What was the main topic or main, what was the main point of last week? Does anyone remember this? Well, you said to first love yourself. Exactly. Right? So, yep, that's the main point that we spoke about was you can't love anybody else if you don't have a certain internal love for yourself. If you hate yourself, then you're obviously going to project that to everybody else and everyone is going to be hated because that's just a projection of how you feel from within. So the first thing is uh, you love yourself. And we went through a few things that you can do to enhance the love for yourself. going to go through them quickly. Uh, first, don't let your ambitions ignore what you've become. So you can be ambitious, but don't forget how good you are and how special you are and what you've achieved. Stay away from negativity, including you know, uh, cursing and TV and bad music and complainers, right? Those people can influence you. Ex evil exists, bad exists, and bad can enter your heart just as a perspective if you allow it to. You can have two people working the same job. One could be loving it, one could be hating it. Why? Because they both have different perspectives to their job. It's all about the way you look at things. And if we allow negativity to get in, I'm going to start hating myself as well. I'm going to be influenced by that. So we spoke about that. We spoke about dressing well. That's actually an external factor that can influence you on the inside. And if you put on a nice suit and you walk around feeling good, put on a nice tie, get dressed well for Shabbat, you'll start loving yourself more. We spoke about how that's one of the requirements for women, um, to actually for, for men to buy for their wife. Uh, for the holidays, for the Jewish holidays as a whole, um, but always to try and renew, buy something new uh, for them, for, for their spouse. That's actually a requirement in Jewish law. Sorry, guys, doesn't go the other way. And uh, um, to buy a nice, you know, jewelry for them for uh, the holidays. So that's a mitzvah, and we're meant to do that. Again, that's the sense of, wow, I'm worth something. So an external thing that you can do, which makes you feel more valued, like wearing special clothing. Um, the other things that we spoke about was not wasting time. Don't live a life that's for others. Okay, don't uh, demand perfection of yourself, but try and strive for perfection. We didn't kind of speak about that, but I wrote this uh, last week. Okay, so last week we spoke about how we can love ourselves more. This week, I want to speak about how we can love people more around us, okay? The first was loving yourself more, and we went through the list of things that you could do to love yourself. This time, we're going to be speaking about how we can love others around us more. I asked everyone, why do you think we're talking about this? What's love and loving people, loving ourselves to do with this time of the year in the Jewish calendar? Anyone know? Why are we talking about love at this point in the Jewish calendar? Yeah, this it's to do with the time of the year that we're in Jewishly that is connected to love. Because of, uh, we didn't love each other, so that was the downfall of the temple. Exactly. So all of our problems, and this is something we need to know, but all of our problems today is mainly to do with how we feel about the people around us. That's the main cause of m most of our problems. It's um, to put it in terms that you can understand. This is really important, by the way. Think about how much of Judaism, right? Before Rosh Hashanah, 
we have a whole month towards that time that we're working on forgiveness with others. So we're working on this process of getting better or more along with other people. We have Lag Baomer and all the process that comes before that. And again, that's all about how we can get along with people more. There's so much of Judaism is, is to do, especially at this time of the year, how we can love people more and get along with people. It's a huge part of our connection to God as a religion. It's a major factor in Judaism. And it's, that is the reason for the destruction. So I'll just tell you a, an amazing a parable that's brought down by the Maggid of Duvna, which really gives us the idea of why hatred or why the inner hatred that we have for others can be so bad. So um, I'll just give you a parable that the Maggid of Duvna says. It's beautiful. Stay with me. It's worth hearing. So uh, he says a great story of this father who had a big family uh, and his oldest child, let's say his name was Dan, Daniel, and not Dan, Daniel, and his oldest child was 20, and he says to his oldest child, um, listen, I'm really sorry, I've built a family till now, and we have many children in the home, I cannot support you anymore, I want to tell you, I wish you the best, please get out there, you're healthy, you're strong, I've helped you till now, please leave the home, you you can't stay here anymore. I want you to get out into the real world and start building your own business, supporting yourself. Here's a certain amount of money. Please go. And he sends his child. His child is obviously sad to leave, but he leaves and he goes and he starts doing his own little business and he starts making money and he starts doing well and he's independent, doing great. Then eventually the this man's second son uh, also gets to the age of 20 and he says to his son, listen, just like your older brother, Daniel, I want to tell you, this uh, second son was called Joseph. He says to Joseph, listen, I want to tell you that you two, uh, you know, just like your brother, you've reached the age of 20. I can't support you anymore. I'm very, very strapped with money. Uh, we have a big family and you are strong. You're healthy. Please go and succeed. Here's some money. Please go and do well with your business. I think you could do really well, just like your brother did. And he sends his son off. His son, again, tries the second one to do well. And guess what happens? Joseph doesn't do well. He doesn't do well at all. He really hustles and runs around trying to make some money. But it just doesn't work. Lost everything he had. He's working for the worst types of jobs. He's literally selling... Uh, I don't know, fish, working in the garbage. He's, he's really desperate for a real job, for making money, and he's not doing well. And eventually he's just starving. He's really in a bad situation. And he remembers his older brother, his older, older brother, Daniel. And Joseph says, you know what? I'm going to go to him. He's doing so well. He has this massive factory. He's doing really well in business. I'm going to go to him. So he goes to his older brother, um, and he gets to his factory, knocks on the door, and uh, the secretary says, yes, who are you? He says, well, I'm Joseph. Can you not recognize? I look exactly like the owner of this factory. I'm Joseph, the brother of Daniel. Please let me in. I want to meet my brother. Can I speak to my brother? So she says, no problem. One minute, please. Please wait in the reception. She goes in to call, her to call uh, the owner of the company. Um, Daniel, she goes running into Daniel, the secretary. She says, Daniel, uh, it seems like your brother's out there and he looks exactly like you. I is that your brother? So he looks into the, the camera and he sees and he says to the secretary, tell him that I don't know who he is. So she says, what? So she comes running Same out method. and she says, um, you know, uh, Joseph... Daniel says he doesn't know who you are. He doesn't have a brother. So he's like, what? What do you mean? That's my brother. What do you mean? I know that this is my brother. What are you saying? So she go, he says, please, just get, let me meet him. What are you talking about? And he pushes his way past the secretary. And he smashes the door open, sees his brother. And he's like, Daniel, what are you talking about? This is me. What are you saying? And Daniel says, get out, leave. I do not know you. 
You are not my brother. I don't know who you are. And Daniel leaves distraught. Uh, sorry, Joseph leaves heartbroken. No job, no money, nothing. A few years later, their father gives them a call and says, listen, I'm on, I'm on my deathbed. I'm not going to live for very long. Please come and visit me. And both Joseph and Daniel come to visit their father and they sit there by his deathbed and the father is just looking at Joseph and he's giving him blessings and he says, listen, I want to bless you. I'm going to give you a great amount of my, of my money and my earnings that I've, I've made over the past few years. And he just looks at Joseph. On one side, you've got Joseph. On the other side, you've got Daniel. And the father is only looking at Joseph. And again, he's looking at Joseph. And, and Daniel's like, excuse me, dad, what is going on? I'm here. Can you not see I'm here? Daddy, I'm here. So um, the father keeps talking to Joseph. Daddy, please look at me. He says to him, if this is not your brother, then you are not my son. That was the language uh, of the Magid of Duvna. If he's not your brother, then uh, you are not my son. And the message really is given is that, you know, um, obviously, in some ways, God never ever says, you are not my son. We are always the child of Hashem. It says, No matter how far we go, we are still called the children of Hashem. We are the sons of Hashem. But at the end of the day, we can get the idea of how hatred, baseless hatred that we have from within us can be so dramatic. It can be so painful and, and it can have such a great impact in the terms of, of how we are in relation to God. So this story really gives me the idea of why hatred can be something so bad in the eyes of God? Why could it be that hatred that we have for other people is something that's so severe? It says that it was worse than all the severe sins that we have. We have sinat chinam is very severe, the hatred that we have for others. But it says that it's as bad as idolatry, adultery, murder. How? Why? And this can kind of give us an idea because when we're not getting along, there's no connection. If there's no if there's no getting along between us and other humans, then there's no ability for us to connect. And it's really important to understand this because that's exactly what this time of the year is all about. So I want to just give you this idea because um, we want to learn how to love people better. And this is the time that we need to do it. This is the, the time that we're in and we need to work on loving people better. So let's try and see what we could do to love other people more. Does anyone have any idea of what we can do to love people more? Because this is the source of so much of our problems. Till today, it says that every generation that the temple was destroyed, it's as if it was destroyed in our generation. So to this generation is still not being rebuilt. It's as if it got destroyed now. Why? For the same reason that it was back then, which was hatred. So what can we do to avoid inner hatred that we have deep within our hearts? Is there any ideas of what we can do besides for loving ourselves that we can actually change and channel the inner anger that we have for people and start loving them? Any ideas? Yes. Who? Uh, Natasha's got a hand up. Go for it. All right. Um, so... I recently had a conversation with some friends on Zoom that was, they were in New York and I'm here and they were expressing to me that they felt like whenever they speak about political issues, they're met with a lot of hatred mm -hmm. and we have very differing political views. And most of the time when you talk with friends, doesn't matter how close they are, if you feel differently, you're very you know intense and angry and, and you wanna like push your point and I thought about it and I was like, let me put on my kind of like psychologist, therapist hat on and how do I address them in a way that allows them to speak without feeling like I'm judging them every moment and every word. And mm -hmm. so we had this whole conversation about two or three hours and 
we we both let each other, you know, it was a big group of people, but we let we all let each other speak and we didn't rush to call each other names or place judgment. Um, and because we're all Jewish, we kept bringing it back to our Judaism. It was like we had this mutual platform, this foundation that we could connect on. And at the end of it, we all thanked each other for listening to each other. And I don't think anyone has had a political debate that went that smoothly or kindly. And um, and it was like, it was. we used it with compassion. We spoke with compassion. So I think listening to people and letting them speak. Um, listening, letting think, them speak. Yeah, trying not to think of what you're going to say bef- like when they're talking, just sitting back and really taking in their words and trying to see their humanity, trying to not judge them based off of one idea that they have, but understanding that they're a whole person with a background and family that formed Beautiful. them into who they are now. So, Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real human. Understanding them as who they are as real humans. So that's also a really powerful point. So you said so far listening. Uh, you said um, understanding that they're human. You know, like there's a, there's a bigger picture behind them. Um, anyone else? Any other thoughts? Yeah, to piggyback off of what Natasha said, I think just putting yourself in the other person's shoes um, okay. just to get that level of understanding of where they're coming from. And then just the second thing would probably be um, good. Other shoes is very important as well. You know, like you don't, and it says you can never judge someone until you're in their shoes but you can't be in their shoes. So you can't really judge them. So just don't judge them. So, yeah. Uh, and then also giving them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, so, benefit of the doubt, which is a major factor in loving people. This is such a big part of it. Anyone else? Listening, understanding their greater, you know, being, um, not judging them, giving them benefit of the doubt. These are all very important points and we're going to kind of touch on all of them. Um, but this is exactly what I was thinking is what we need to get into. Okay, so here's, here's uh, something that we need to think about, which is the concept of God. Now, you should know that um, when a lot of times when it talks about our feelings towards another human being, especially when it comes to inner heart, God is in the is in the picture. It says Ani Hashem, I am God. Okay, um, like when it says, you know, you should don't hate your brother in your heart. There's also this picture of remembering that God exists, and this applies in many areas. Love your neighbor like yourself. There's also the concept of I am God. There's there's so much of bringing the God factor into recognizing that there's another human being in front of me. Now, this is key to recognizing our love for other people. I think that this is the key to loving other humans is to recognize that there's a creator of the universe. Now, some people will not agree with me, especially if they don't want to agree that there's a creator. But the concept of a God actually gives me the idea that we all have a greater purpose, we all have greater meaning, and also, I am not a God. It says, we say in Tehillim, in Psalms, don't have in you another God. Meaning, what does it mean, don't have in you another God? Because if you don't accept Hashem in your, in your life, you'll bring in another God in your life, which is yourself. You'll make yourself a God. You'll have a certain sense of ego. And it's so important to recognize, okay, that's, that's by the way, the idea of the keeper is to always realize that there's something above me. There's that sense of humility that when I'm talking to somebody else, I am not above them. That acceptance of Hashem, if I don't accept it, that's why it says, I am God who took you out of Egypt. And immediately the next thing is don't have another God, right? Why is 
you know, I am God connected to don't have other gods because if you don't accept Hashem, you will have other gods. So this concept of bringing God into your life, right? The idea of bringing Hashem into your life means that there's a greater meaning in my life. I understand that also everyone else is created for a reason. Everyone was created by God. This concept, I know that many people are like, hey, that's so political. You know, not that's political. People are going to say, hey, I don't like that. That's demeaning or whatever. But just hear me out for a second because it's so important to changing the way we look at other humans. Look, Natasha was talking about politics. If somebody else has a different political view than me, okay, if I don't have God in my life, that other political view is, is, is my God, right? That's my God is my political view. And them arguing with that view is denying my God. What is, if I take away, God, Judaism believes if you take away the concept of monotheism, something else will be your God. Your desires might be your God. Your money might be your God. Your bags, your, your you know, the way, the, the, your cars, everything else, your, your home, the place you live in, other things will start being your God. So the minute that you start removing that from you, so someone's infringing on that concept that you hold by, right? So, for instance, if you, if you hold a certain political view and it's important to you because everything we hold of is important to us. If someone's infringing, they're infringing on me and I am everything. But the concept that, wait a second, this human being in front of me has a greater picture and we are both created in the formation of Hashem, wow, that changes everything. So... This is so important because when I look at I, me as a human being that really has taken on Torah lifestyle deeply, when I look at another human and they, they have a certain uh, feeling towards a gender, right? Or uh, they have a certain political view or they have um, a certain value in terms of money. I always look at them and I say, that's not who you are. That's something you have. You may have a political view. You may have a certain gender that you hold by, right? And I'm, going, I'm getting into this because I really believe that this is something we need to understand deeply to recognize that we have to, in order to love people, we have to adapt this concept. You know, it, they, they, they might have more money, but it's not who they are for the core. Okay, they might have a certain look, but it's not who they are. They might have money, but it's not who they are. These are all things they own or they have or they hold by. Who are they? They're creation of God. When I when I accept this concept of Hashem and the love of Hashem as well that comes with it, I'm really also embracing other people, recognizing that all these stuff that bothers me about somebody else is not even. It's just a thing they have, okay? It's like saying, oh, I don't like this person because he's got an ugly hat. It's like, what, are you crazy? You don't like somebody because of his bad hat? That's why you don't like someone? Because if you identify someone by, if you identify yourself by a hat, then that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, the question is, what is the greater meaning and purpose of my existence? If my existence is just me, and stuff, then I'm gonna get in a I'm gonna get in a fight with somebody else. But when I see everybody as created in this formation of Hashem, then I can move past the differences and actually embrace them. I think personally that that, that is the greatest re, uh, way to love other humans. Just that concept alone. It's taken it's taken lightly, but it's real. That's why today there's so much identity going on. But I am different. I am this. I, who cares? You're a creation of Hashem. That's how I need to look at you. No, but I hold politically different. Who cares? I, I see you as a creation of Hashem. Do you know? All those things are things you have, but that's not who you are. We have to understand this on a deep, on a real deep level. This is the core to loving. This is really the core to loving others. Okay, so that's my first thing, which is understanding that 
or embracing the concept of Hashem in my life. And the more I do that, the more I can see other people as a creation of Hashem. They are part of this infinite being. And all the other things that they have are just things they have. But it's not really who they are. Who they are is a creation of Hashem. Okay? So that's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I wanted to say is, based on what you guys said, is judging favorably. You know, uh, giving better for the doubt. That is the key to understanding people in a better way. If there's a way, I can just yeah. mute. Okay. So that's the key to understanding people in a better way. It says in, in Pirkei Avot, judge kol ha'adam. Why does it say kol ha'adam? Does anyone know how to translate that? Translate that? Kol ha'adam. Every man. Right. That will be kol adam. Kol ha'adam means all of that person, right? Judge all of that person favorably because you don't know exactly what's going on in that person's life. If you're going to judge them, judge all of them, right? You don't know all of them, but judge all of that person favorably. So this is a key to loving the people around us is there's a famous story. I've mentioned this story before, so some of you might know it, but it's, um, it's just so amazing. It's worth saying again. So there's the famous story of the Ketav Sofer, who uh, lived, I think, about 150 years ago. And um, there was a convention of rabbis in Europe. They were getting together and they were having this convention to speak about many of the issues in European Jewry at the time. And they had this big convention and one of the rabbis that came brought a special coin that came from the temple he managed to get hold of a coin from the temple and he said to himself that's going to be a great way to open the meeting between everyone is to take out this coin and show it to everybody and say look what i have i have a coin from the temple and he did that he took out his coin as soon as the conference started and he gave it out he said look guys look what i have rabbis they have a coin that's from the temple. And they all looked at it. They were amazed. Wow, wow, wow. After a few minutes, you know, the rabbi started speaking. They got on with the uh, discussion for the, for the conference. And, you know, after a while, the rabbi was like, did anyone give me the coin back? I didn't get the coin back. Can I have the coin back? And on this table, there was obviously around 50, 60 different people. And... No one uh, knew where the coin was. They said, no, I didn't. You, you did, did I get the coin? I didn't get it. Where's the coin? I don't see it. The coin disappeared. For some reason, the rabbi didn't get his coin back, which was worth a lot of money. It was a coin from the times of the temple, sentimental value, and he was devastated. He said, where's the coin? So they decided between them that um, it can't be that the coin disappeared it must be that someone took it. We didn't go anywhere. We were just sitting on this table. So they decided to ask everyone to empty out their pockets onto the table. So everyone agreed, of course, we'll do it. And there was obviously, there was one man on the other side of the table who said, please, don't ask us to empty out our pockets. Please let us wait till later. Please don't ask us to empty the pockets. So... Everyone was questioning, like, what's going on? Why would he not want us to empty the pockets out? What's, what's wrong? So um, he said, please, let me, let's just wait for half an hour. I'm sure the coin is going to come back, but please don't, don't let us empty out our pockets. So everyone sat down. Everyone looked at this rabbi strangely, suspiciously. Maybe he's got the coin. And all of a sudden, the waiter comes running in through the door and says, Rabbi, I found the coin. It was in the garbage by mistake. As I was clearing the table, I took the coin and here it is. I found it. And everyone was amazed. They were so happy. The coin was returned. Everything was so happy. But then they looked at the man in the far end of the table and they asked him, why did you not want us to see what's in your pocket? What were you so afraid of how did you know that we should wait what was going on and the man in the far end of the table said i just want to let you know that i have exactly the same coin he points out from his pocket the exact same coin he says look i have the same coin and i brought it here as well to show my coin to everybody that i got 
And he said, if I knew, I knew that if I would have, if this coin wouldn't have been found, everyone in this room would have suspected me as the one that stole that coin and put it in my pocket. There was no way. And I just couldn't face the embarrassment. And I said to myself, during this time, I'm going to pray. And for sure, they're going to find this coin. And during all that time, he was intently, uh, intensely praying that this coin should be found so he shouldn't avoid embarrassment. According to Judaism, embarrassment is one of the worst things that a person can go through. And I would rather not be embarrassed. He prayed and eventually that coin was found. And the head rabbi that, that has the original coin says to everybody, from here we have to recognize and walk away from this conference with a sense of judging favorably. We have to come out of here and recognizing that we all would have fallen in the trap. No one would have believed that this man came to the same conference with the same coin in his pocket. No one would have believed it. And here we go. Here he is with the same coin. So um, there is, that is the concept of judging favorably is so important. The Talmud gives many, many cases of how we can judge favorably to the people around us. This is so important. If you're my example that I always give is if you're standing at the bus stop and uh, a friend of yours is driving by and you see him and it's raining and it's pouring and you're desperate for a ride, what would you think if your friend just drives by, right? Your friend, you're standing at the bus stop, your friend is there and you, you wave your hands at your friend and he just drives by. Not only does he drive by, there's a huge puddle at the bus stop and he drives through the puddle, gets you soaking wet. More wet than you could have been. So you're standing there and you're like, oh, why would he do this to me? My best friend. How would you judge that person favorably? What would you say? Drove straight past you, ignored you at the bus stop, and went straight through the road. I, I, I needed that ride. I was waving at him and he didn't stop for me and didn't give me the ride. What would you think to yourself? So you would say, you would think they clearly had an emergency. There was something that was really urgent that they needed to take care of. And I'm sure later, you know. Good. So that's okay. the right way of thinking. To give benefit of the doubt, for sure he had to go yeah. to an emergency. What happens if I say to you, no way. I know where he was going. He was on his way home. And, it, I would and I say knew. It's not your response. But you know, I was in the rain, and okay, it's, but I was in the rain. He could have easily given me a ride. You know, I've done it to him a few times in the past. I waved at him, he saw me. How lucky are you that you get to be alive and you get to walk home in the rain and you know that you'll survive? <laughs> wow, way. you're a very holy, holy, holy Jew. Right? You get to but, enjoy. The feeling of being alive and walking home and being in the rain. Okay. That's, that's honestly if, how I live. If, if that's how you live, that's why I see your amazing smile. And that's because you really do judge favorably. And that's the way that we should be doing it. Okay. So that's the right way of doing it. But, you know, if let's say the person's upset and you say, you say to yourself, okay, you should be happy. At least you have a home to go to. You know, that's true. But he's still very upset. How can we judge that person favorably? By the way, Natasha, we are meant to judge them favorably. So we, we're actually meant to train ourselves to judge that. But it says, which means judge them favorably. To not judge them at all is a missed opportunity. If I just walk by... And I say, okay, whatever. And I don't judge them at all. I'm missing an opportunity. Judging favorably actually trains me to love the people around me. So would, would the would the way to go about it be to say like they like it's you know they would have stopped if they could. They probably have somewhere to be, and they're rushing there. Like maybe there was an emergency, and they have to go really fast. Like there's there's a reason for them not stopping. Yes, but let's say I always find another answer for that reason. For instance, you just said. 
maybe I always need to find a positive reason. So let's say I say, no, I know for sure he was going home. He wasn't going to an emergency. I just spoke to him five minutes ago. So that excuse can't be given. There has to be another excuse I need to find to judge that person favorably and His give them the benefit of the His wife has exciting news. Sorry? His wife has exciting news. His wife has exciting news. Okay, that's, that's a good one. But what happens if I say, hey, he doesn't even have a wife? Could have given me a ride. He has something that's really exciting happening in his life that he has to go home for. Okay, but if I say, for sure, I know. And not only I know, he waved back at me. He, I know where he was going. I know there was nothing exciting. I just spoke to him two minutes ago. So you're saying, okay, within those two minutes, for sure, something good happened and I didn't know about it. That's well, true. That's, yep, that could, that's the right way of doing it. What if, what if you thought you were waving at him to tell him to stop and pick you up, but really he interpreted it as you were just waving hello to him? Um, good, good. What happens, and let me ask you, what happens if he says like this and drives off? He waves and then says no, you know, like I can't. I okay. think it's our, it rooted in our expectations of people and our expectations of what we're supposed to people's responsibility to us is, right? You're right. Um, you should never have any expectations of others. Um, never. And that's part of it. And what, what I'm trying to tell you is that all the ways that you're thinking right now are right. Number one is don't expect anything from them. Number two is for sure he was doing something good. And if he could have given me a ride, he would have. But let's say I looked into the car. I saw that there was nothing in the car. There was an empty seat. It wasn't used by somebody else. And he could have given me a ride. There's always another excuse that I could find. Unless I'm guaranteed that there's no excuse. Yeah. What if you tell yourself, okay, clearly today was not a day where he felt comfortable picking me up. Hopefully I can teach him by example next time and offer him a ride and kind of I think it's maybe, maybe he didn't feel like you've done enough for him. Maybe you can extend yourself a little more to take care of your friend and maybe he will, or maybe he won't, you know, reciprocate. I don't know. So maybe that's, that would be not judging. That would be not judging favorably. We're, we're meant to actively think that he's doing something good. I'm and if he would have, he would. What? Oh, what do favorably? It's okay to say that, like, you know, there's something, like, there's, he has a good reason because something, like, good happened or at least not something bad happened that he couldn't pick me up. And that's it. 100%. That, like, just, Those are the it. thoughts. The These are all the thoughts that we have to have. Sorry? I said, and then just accept that, like, you know, I don't know what the reason is. God knows and he knows. I don't know. These are the thoughts that we're going to have, which is for sure, like you, you and Natasha are both saying, for sure he's, he's trying to do something. He, if he could have, he would have given me the ride. But right now, it must be he's going to his mom. It must be that some great news happened. All the excuses that you're giving, these are the things we need to train ourselves to think with the people around. It's very easy because at the end of the day, we walk around the streets and we meet people, our friends, we don't know nothing about them. Do you know how little we know about the people that we're close to? Nothing. We think we know everything, but there's so much more that we, that's why it's called the doubt, benefit of the doubt. It's not that I'm certain about this person. I don't know everything about this person. I spoke to him two minutes ago or her two minutes ago. Within those two minutes, anything could have happened, right? It could have been that his car was breaking down and he had to go and get it fixed. There, there is so many reasons that we can interpret things for the better. And if we do that, we're going to start loving the people around us. This is an art. It's a work of art that needs to be worked on. It's not something that you just acquire straight away. It's a lifetime of work that needs to be done in order to get to. I've seen people with benefit of the doubt, real benefit of the doubt, and they're just giving off this light. Nah, he loves it. He lo they just, they, they just have this vibe that everything this guy's doing is because he loves you. He's good. Everything's good. It's, it's, you don't get that immediately. 
It's not something you acquire straight away. In, in your marriage, it needs to be worked on. In your fret with your friends, with your work, it needs to be worked. It's an art that needs to be worked on daily at hundreds of times. It says, Loti bilvavecha. One of the commandments of the Torah is besides for love your, your friend like yourself. It says, don't hate him in your heart. You, the Chafetz Chaim says, you can be a righteous Jew, but full of hate all day. You can be going through transgressing that commandment 24 hours a day, all the time, every minute. You could also be fulfilling the mitzvah of the Haftar Kamocha, loving your friend like yourself, but you can also go through every single minute hating people, and it's a transgression of the Torah. It says, don't hate your friend in your heart. That's something which you feel deep within in your heart. That's something that can happen all the time. So our aim is to work, like I just gave an example of, where we constantly come to a place where I'm always judging people and saying to myself, for sure they meant good. They, for sure they have a good intention in mind. I don't know what the reason is, but for sure they have a good intention. Okay, so that's the next way that we can love people is giving benefit of the doubt. And we need to train ourselves to give benefit of the doubt daily. It's something that we need to work on constantly to eventually get to. Okay, the next thing is, okay, that's the next thing. So we first said, love yourself. The second thing we said now is, uh, give benefit of the doubt. The third thing I want to tell you is, don't seek revenge and don't bear a grudge. These are also commandments that really apply to how we feel about other people. So, somebody, um, the example that Maimonides gives to explain the difference between seeking revenge and bearing a grudge, right? What's the difference between seeking revenge and bearing a grudge? Does anyone know? One is revenge. Okay, you're trying to pay them back. That, uh, a grudge is that you have a, a negative feeling towards someone because of something that happened. And seeking revenge is wanting... Uh, something negative to happen to them. Okay, okay, so which one do you think is worse? Um, I think revenge is worse. Yeah, revenge is definitely, definitely worse. But uh, definitely worse than bearing a grudge, but they are both transgressions. Now, Maimonides gives me an example of revenge and bearing a grudge. He says, for instance, if let's say you ask your neighbor for their lawnmower, okay? And they say, I'm sorry, I'm not lending out my lawnmower. I don't lend out my lawnmower. So you say, okay, fine. Um, and then two weeks later, your neighbor knocks on your door and finds out that you got a new lawnmower. Their lawnmower broke down. And your neighbor knocks on your door and says, hey, uh, can I borrow that lawnmower that you have? Um, you know, that new lawnmower? So to pay revenge would be to say, hey, you didn't give me your lawnmower. So I'm not giving you mine. Okay, so that's called paying revenge. When exactly what they did to you, you don't return to them. Bearing a grudge would be, okay, for sure, take my lawnmower and just remember, I am not like you. I am able to give my lawnmower to you. You are not. So I am not like you. That's called bearing a grudge. Taking revenge is the point where you say, I'm not giving you the lawnmower lawnmower because you didn't give it to me and the point of bearing a grudge is saying oh I will give it to you because I'm not like you okay so that means it's still deep within your heart both of these cases means that you've got anger in your heart does that make sense to you when I didn't get the lawnmower from that neighbor, it means that if I still have the feeling of revenge that I need to cause on that person, or if I still bear a grudge, what am I going through in my heart? Hate, anger, pain. Okay, these are all things we want to remove from within us. This is an example of things that we need to remove from within us so that we can actually be happier and more in peace with the people around us. So I'm going to translate here uh, what... The Sefer HaChinuch, one of the great writers, wrote on the definitions of each mitzvah in the Torah. These are two different mitzvot, 
brought down in Leviticus chapter 19. One is lotikom, which means don't take revenge. The other is lotitor, which means don't bear a grudge. Now, this is what he says here as to explain why this, these mitzvot are so important. He says like this, a person needs to know and put in his heart that whatever happens to him, good or bad, is happening to him because God wanted it to happen. I don't know the reason why, but there's a, there's a greater reason behind why things happen to me. And uh, whatever somebody does to me, whether it's good or bad, it's not happening from him, but it's happening because Hashem wanted it that way. So therefore, when someone hurts me or causes pain to me, I need to know that whatever they did was not because of them, but it's because Hashem wanted it to happen. It's true that they chose and they have the free will to choose it, but that's not my business. My business is to know, internalize, that this is happening for a reason. And a person needs to remove from his thoughts of how he can give revenge to him. Because that's not the cause of his problem. The cause of your problem is whatever happened to you. Is God doing it to you? And it's because of maybe something wrong that I did in my lifetime. And he says that this is what David said um, in his prayers. So he always depended his problems on his own issues. He took responsibility for his problems. Maybe it was because he was wrong and not on the people that did wrong to him. So this has a great power to remove from us. First of all, to instill within, within us the concept that everything happens from God and it's not from them, but also to remove from us this destructive, fightful energy that exists in our heart and it allows us to continue to be. They say that one of the great reasons that kids are so much happier than adults is because kids have the ability to forgive. They would rather be happy than right. Okay, children would rather be happy than right. Being right means, um, being right means, oh, I am right. They should not have done that to me, right? They should, my neighbor should have not, uh, whatever, blocked my driveway. He should have not put his car on my, on my driveway. That's ridiculous. I am angry with my neighbor. So that's called an adult who says, I am right because this is my space and therefore would choose being right to allow himself to be angry. A child, however, would rather be happy than be right. I don't care if I was right. I don't care if, my, if, my, if this person was wrong to me. I would rather be happy. Have you not? Do you, I've seen it, my own kids. They have a massive fight. The, the brother hits the sister. Sister hits the brother. Right. And five minutes later, they're playing again. And it was bad. I mean, there was a bad hit. But five minutes later, they move on. Why? How did you do that? How did you manage to move on? You did nothing wrong. And your brother came to you and boom, smacked you in the head with a piece of Lego. How did you how did you find the courage to move on? How did you have the strength to move on? And the reason that the children have the ability to move on is because they'd rather be happy and remove the pain in their heart of anger, of being right, right? They'd rather be happy than be right. And that's something that we need to learn as well from, okay? So that's the reason of not seeking revenge and not bearing a grudge, okay? The next thing I want to say is tov ayin. Tov ayin, does anyone know how to translate that? Some of you might remember it from a long time ago. Who remembers how to translate tov ayin? Yes, Monica? Good eyes. Good eye. What does it mean you have a good eye? You're always looking at the positive in okay. others and, and the good in others. Good. And I'll ask you, when is the time that's hardest to have a tov eye? A good eye. When someone's doing something wrong? I don't know. That's true, but you know what? I would say, you know, who cares? He's doing something wrong. I'll move on. It's not my business, right? There's a time where it could be even... That's true, it should bother you. But there's a time where... And in fact, actually, when someone's doing something wrong, you shouldn't look at it lightly. You shouldn't say, oh, I have a good eye on him. 
No, actually, that's wrong. So you shouldn't respect it. So a tov ayin is not only when you know people are not always fitting in your system, but actually in people that are successful in areas that you want to be successful with. So it really applies to people that are like you. For instance, you find out that your best friend got an amazing job that you wanted. Oh, now's the test for Tov Ayin. Now's the real test for having a good eye. This is the language of Shlomo HaMelech when he says the concept of Tov Ayin. He says, Tov Ayin Hu Yevorach, a person with a good eye will be blessed. He'll have blessings in his life. And he says, because you give from your bread to the poor. He says, Kinatan milachmo ladal. He gives from his bread to the poor. What does that mean? Your bread is something that's important to you. If you're eating right now and you've got one portion of bread and it's not a lot, like the people in the Holocaust, they had a very small amount of rations, but they were able to give it to others who needed it as well. Okay, so we're talking about somebody who has something that's important to him. That piece of bread I want to eat. And they're able to push away aside half of it, remain half hungry, so that somebody else can eat. That's called a tov ayin. I don't see anything to do with eyes there. I mean, you're giving your bread to somebody else, which is the bread that you like for yourself. And you give it to some. Why is that to do with your eye? The answer is, is because it's something that's important to you. It's something that you look at. It's something that you value. Okay, so being able to give of what's valuable to you to somebody else is called a tov ayin. And I'm not talking about giving you money to somebody else. I'm not talking about giving, um, giving what you own or what's really valuable to you, like your jewelry to someone else. I'm, I'm talking about giving compliments to somebody else that's successful in the area that you want to be. So let's say you find out that somebody um, like yourself is doing really well in business. Send them a message saying, hey, I'm so happy for you that you're doing really well. If you find out a very close friend of yours that's got a job that exactly that you wanted to get, send them a message saying, hey, I'm really happy that you succeeded in getting that job. That is one of the hardest things to do, but we're guaranteed that you'll actually have blessings in your life if you do that. So Tov Ayin is to compliment. By the way, what's the one way to have all people around you love you? So you walk around the street and there's certain people, you come into certain events, everyone loves that person's energy. Like, oh my gosh, that energy is so good. What is the way, can you think, and anyone think now, close your eyes for a second, close your eyes, and think of one person that you know that is, is that lovable energy. Is there anyone in your, in your mind that you can imagine that's real loving energy? Do you have anyone in mind? Just think for a second. You walk in the room and you're so happy to see them. Is there anyone in your mind that's like that? They walk in the room and you are like, oh, I'm so happy to see them. Every time they're around, I love their energy. I want to be around this person more. Does that happen to anybody? Can you imagine? Think of someone like that in your life. Yeah. So I'll tell you why you love them so much. Do you want to know why? Because they're great at complimenting others. It's the one way to get people to love you. This is the opening key. You obviously have to be real, but it's the opening key to getting people to love you. You want to know the one key? Complimenting others. You have to mean it. You can't just be fake about it because they feel it. People feel what comes out your heart. It says, What comes out your heart goes into the heart of somebody else. So they will feel it. Whether you like it or not, people feel authenticity. But when somebody compliments you all the time, dude, you look great. Wow, you're, you're amazing. You're so smart. Just real good compliments. Then you start feeling a real affection to that person. You actually feel connected to that person and you start loving them. So that's, that 
quality of being able to compliment people comes from a tov ayin personality. It's somebody who walks around on the street, sees his best friend in a beautiful new home, and he's like, when he's not around even, right? Your friend's not even near you. And you say to yourself, Baruch Hashem, he has that house. I wish him only blessings with this house. I'm so happy for him. By the way, you don't have to mean it at first. Train yourself. Even in the back of your mind, you walk past somebody who's successful, they get married. They got engaged. A friend of yours got engaged. You want to get engaged. They got married. You want to get married. They have a kid. You want to have a kid. You close your eyes and you say to yourself, I'm so happy they have a child. So beautiful. Another Jewish child in the world. Ah. When you do that, what happens is you instill within yourself a tov ayin. It's a very hard thing to do. Um, but we're promised that whatever you do to others in areas that you need, you will be blessed with as well. It says, tov ayin hu yevorach. If you have a good eye, that person that has a good eye will be blessed. Meaning you will bring that blessing onto you. We're also taught that somebody who has a prayer for someone else, if you pray for your friend and you need that thing that you're praying for, the Talmud says that you will get the prayer answered first. We learn that from Abraham. Abraham didn't have children and he prays for Elimelech to be healed to, so that he can have children. A king that hurt him, hurt Abraham, the king says to Abram, please, Abram, pray, pray for me, pray. Elimelech says to Abram, pray for me. So Abram says, of course, I'll pray for you. Immediately after, his wife Sarah was told, him and his wife were told they're going to have a child. Immediately after. And from there, the Talmud says, If you pray for your friend and you need the same thing that you're praying for, the rabbis say, you will be answered first. There's actually an organization um, in the Jewish community that people that can't have children, they have a huge group together and they all pray for each other. So one couple would pray for another couple and that couple will pray for another couple and they have this huge group of everyone praying for another couple to have children uh, because we believe that this is a real powerful tool to gaining what you really want, okay? So, uh, we, learn, we learn many areas. One of the best things, this Rabbi Eliezer says, Go and look around the world and look what's the best quality that a person should stick to. What's the best character that a person should stick to? This is Rabbi Eliezer says, having a good eye. It's, so the commentaries explain why is having a good eye so important? Because it trains you to be happy with what you have. And it, set, it trains you to not look at others to want more. It tra trains you to not have jealousy on them. Because you start blessing them. You channel that energy of like, oh, I wish I had that. Which is now jealousy. You're channeling it into love. How do you channel it into love? Say, I'm so happy that he got that new car. I bless him that that car should always be used for safety. He should do well in that car. He should have goodness in that car. He should use it for good things. Ayin Tova. Uh, we're promised that if you have an Ayin Tova, a good eye, especially in areas of people that are successful in things that you want to be successful with, the same age as you, people that are similar to you, you will bring those blessings into your life. Try it for a year and tell me in a year from now how it went. Okay, I would love somebody to actually try this out straight for a year saying, oh, I've never heard of this concept before. I'm going to try out Ayin Tova for one year and in a year from now, get back to me and say, that changed my life. Because we're guaranteed that Ayin Tova Hu Yivarach, that a, a guy who walks around, a girl that walks around with a good eye will actually bring blessings into their life. How do we do that? We compliment people. We start wishing on them goodness with the things that they have. I remember when I got new glasses in Israel, it's very like common in the language. The language is always speaking, it's Hebrew. So, you know, especially within the religious community, it's so part of their language. 
So I, I remember getting new glasses and I come into my grandma, uh, Shira's mom, Shira's mom's house. And she says, oh, you should feel renewed. And then she says to me, you should see through these glasses only good things. And I was like, wow, what a blessing. Thank you. Right? That's called Ayin Tova. Right? She said to me, you should see through those glasses only good things. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of vision right there. I mean, I'm using my glasses all the time. You should see through them only good things. What a blessing. As opposed to, wow, that's a nice pair of glasses. But it's, it's, it's so deep in the culture in Israel. It's really beautiful. So you want to adapt that mentality of Ayin Tova. So let's just go back quickly onto some of the points that we said tonight. And we will finish there. I mentioned how um, in order to love and be in peace with the world, we have to start loving ourselves more. We mentioned how uh, part, of loving the, part of loving people is also to do with accepting Hashem in the world and recognizing that if they have a political view, if they have a certain gender, if they have a certain anything, if they have money that you like, don't like, anything, you have to always walk around saying, but they're a creation of God. And all of those things are just things they have, but it's not who they are. That's how I look at humans. I walk around and I see someone who has a completely opposing view of me. And, 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 and I'm not always perfect at this, but I always have in the back of my mind, but he's a creation of Hashem. And these things that they hold by are just values that they hold by. Those are things they have, but it's not who they are. So it's so important to recognize one of the greatest gifts we were given right from the beginning of the Torah is that, that a human being is created in the formation of God. Meaning, wow, you are valuable. You have purpose. You have meaning. And that's who you are. All the other stuff is just things you have, right? Your arm, let's say, is not who you are. It's just something I have. I own my arm. If somebody's arm, God forbid, was removed from them, that's not who they are. Their legs, their body parts, their clothing, it's not who they are. So who am I really? I'm a creation of Hashem. I'm a creator in the formation of God. And if I walk around with that, all the stuff that differentiates me from others will be just removed. Who cares? At the end of the day, they're a creation of God. Okay? So that's the second thing. Um, judge favorably. That's also part of it is judging others favorably, giving benefit of the doubt, by the way. Giving benefit of the doubt is not to somebody that's evil. If somebody's clearly wrong, right? If you're if, uh, an abuser, somebody that's abusing, you can't say, oh, I'll give them benefit of the doubt. No. If they're acting evil, then you do not give benefit of the doubt. You actually do the exact opposite. You judge them not favorably. The exact opposite, okay? Uh, the next thing we mention is don't seek revenge and don't bear a grudge because all of these things are are pieces that remain in your heart and they're painful in your heart. You want to remove that. So if somebody doesn't, if somebody doesn't lend you their uh, car, if somebody doesn't lend you their lawnmower, you say, okay, Hashem doesn't want me to have their lawnmower. And you walk, you walk away with this feeling of no pain at all with that person. It's an amazing ability to have. So loti kom veloti these are two different things. Not seeking revenge is saying, oh, you didn't lend it to me. I'm not going to lend it to you. Bearing a grudge means I'm saying, oh, I'll give it to you and I won't be like you where I won't lend it. I will lend it to you, not like you do. Okay, so that's called bearing a grudge. And um, then we mentioned tov ayin, having a good eye on others. And how do you have a tov ayin? Uh, one of the ways is to give them of things that are important to you, meaning Compliment people in areas that are important to you. What's important to you? Friends that are in the same lifestyle as you, those need a tov eye. What does it mean to have a good eye? It doesn't literally mean having a good eye, but it means to have a good vision, a good way of looking at people that are successful. And uh, that's basically it for tonight. I just think that these are real cool tools to getting to love the people around us. And um, especially in today's day and age, I think that we look good on the outside. We're very politically correct in the public. 
We're very careful, more politically correct than we were five years ago, 10 years ago. It's crazy of the things that I used to say growing up. And you look now and you're like, how did I even say those things? It was so culturally normal to say those things. And our culture has shifted just like that. So we're so good in public. We, we look great. But behind closed doors, there's a lot of hate. And we need to remove that hate. Okay, and these are key tools to removing that um, in, 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 within our hearts. I, I think that the, the pain of hate is much worse on yourself than on the person that you're hating. The person that you're hating doesn't even know about it. You know, taking revenge, bearing a grudge, all of these things are constant emotional issues that hang on top of your heart. And they have an effect on your blood pressure. They have an effect on your health. They have an effect much more than the food that you eat. This, you know, eating healthy is such an important factor today because it looks good on the outside. Well, also living healthy emotionally has a huge impact on how my heart pumps, on my blood pressure, on everything. So we need to work on these things too. And uh, with that, every single act that we do towards loving others we will actually, it says that because the temple was destroyed because of this thing, but if we try and rectify it and we mourn over it, we say, oh, what did I lose? How wrong is it that I am so messed up in this area of hatred and I want to change and I really want, this is the time that we need to think about these things. If we do that, it's as if you actually saw the building of the temple again. God will help you to have the energy to actually accept these values on you. So it's just a matter of working on them and eventually they would actually happen and they will be implemented. This is a realistic ability that you can attain to loving the people around you. I think that it's realistic. It's not, you can't say, oh, judging favorably is not realistic. Actually it is, it's possible and it's doable. And um, I bless you all that you should all have these values deeply rooted within you. Um, and uh, just love, love the people around. We need a lot of it. And it starts deep from within when no one is watching in your home, not in public only.